Part Four of Terror Out of Space by Lee Douglas Brackett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Four. Lundy saw them a long way off. For a moment he didn't believe it. He thought they must be shadows cast by the fitful glare of the fissure. He braced himself against a building and stood watching. Stood watching and then seeing as the rushing current brought them closer. He didn't move except to lift his jaw a little, trying to breathe. He simply stood, cold as a dead man's feet and just as numb. They looked something like the giant rays he'd seen back on Earth, only they were plants. Great, sleek bulbs of kelp with their leaves spread like wings to the current, their long teardrop bodies ending in a flange with a fishtail that served as a rudder and they had tentacles for arms. They were colored a deep red-brown, like dried blood. The golden flare of the fissure made their cold eyes gleam. It showed their round mouth-holes full of sharp hair-spines, and the stinging deadly cups on the undersides of their huge tentacles. The arms were long enough and tough enough to pierce even the fabric of a vac-suit. Lundy didn't know whether they ate flesh or not, but it didn't matter. He wouldn't care after he'd been slapped with one of those tentacles. The net with her in it was getting away from him, and the others were coming down on top of him. Even if he'd wanted to quit his job right then, there wasn't any place to hide in these ruined, doorless buildings. Lundy shot his suit full of precious oxygen and added himself to the creatures riding that black current to hell. It swept him like a bubble between the dead towers, but not fast enough. He wasn't very far ahead of the kelp things. He tried to swim to make himself go faster, but it was like racing an oared dinghy against a fleet of sixteen-meter sloops with everything set. He could see the cluster of plant men ahead of him. They hadn't changed position. They rolled and tumbled in the water, using a lot of the forward push to go around with so that Lundy was able to overhaul them. But not fast enough, not nearly fast enough. The hell of it was he couldn't see anything to do if he got there. The net was way inside the globe. They weren't going to let him take it away, and if he did, what would it get anybody? They'd still follow her without sense enough to run away from the kelp beasts. Unless... It hit Lundy all of a sudden. A hope. A solution. Hit him neatly as the leading kelp thing climbed up on his heels and brought its leaf wings in around him hard. Lundy let go an animal howl of fear and kicked wildly, shooting more air into his suit. He went up fast, and the wings grazed his boots but didn't quite catch him. Lundy rolled over and fed the thing a full charge out of his blaster right through the eye. It began to thrash and flounder like a shot bird. The ones coming right behind it got tangled up with it and then stopped to eat. Pretty soon there were a lot of them tumbling around it and fighting like a flock of gulls over a fish. Lundy swam furiously, cursing the clumsy suit. There were a lot of the things that hadn't stopped, and the ones that had wouldn't stay long. Lundy kicked 
sweat and strained and sweated. He was scared. He had the wind up so hard it was blowing his guts out, and it was like swimming in a nightmare where you're tied. The current seemed to move faster up where he was now. He gathered his thoughts into a tight beam and threw them into the heart of the cluster of plant men at the creature in the net. I can free you. I'm the only one that can. A voice answered him inside his mind, the voice he had heard once before back in the cabin of the wrecked flyer. A voice as sweet and small as panpipes calling on the hills of Fay. I know. My thought crossed yours. The elfin voice broke suddenly, almost on a gasp of pain. Very faintly, Lundy heard. Heavy, heavy, I am slow. A longing for something beyond his experience stabbed Lundy like the cry of a frightened child. And then the globe of man-things burst apart as though a giant wind had struck them. Lundy watched them wake up out of their dream. She had vanished, and now they didn't know why they were here or what they were doing. They had a heart-shaking memory of some beauty they couldn't touch, and that was all. They were lost and frightened. Then they saw the others. It was as though someone had hit them a stunning blow with his fist. They hung motionless, swept along by the current, staring back with dazed golden eyes. Their brilliant petals curled inward and vanished, and the green of their bodies dulled almost to black. The kelp beasts spread their wings wide and rushed toward them like great dark birds, and up ahead, under the sullen golden glare, Lundy saw the distant buildings of the colony. Some of the doors were still open, with knots of tiny figures waiting beside them. Lundy was still a little ahead of the kelp things. He grabbed up the floating net and hooked it to his belt, and then steered himself clumsily toward a broken tower jutting up to his right. He hurled a wild telepathic shout at the plant men, trying to make them turn and run, telling them that he'd hold off the others. They were too scared to hear him. He cursed them, almost crying. On the third try he got through, and they came to life in a hurry, rushing away with all the speed they had. By that time Lundy was braced on his pinnacle of stone, and the kelp beasts were right on top of him. He got busy with both blasters. He burned down a lot of the things. Pretty soon the water all around him was full of thrashing bodies, where the living had stopped to fight over the dead. But he couldn't get them all, and a few got by him. Almost without turning his head he could see huge red bird shapes overhauling stragglers, wrapping them in broad wings and then lying quiet in the rush of the current, feeding. They kept the doors open, those little woman things. They waited until the last of their mates came home, and then slammed the golden panels on the blunt noses of the kelp things. Not many of the little men were lost. Only a few small wives would hide their petals and wear their sad blue-gray. 
Lundy felt good about that. It was nice he felt good about something, because old Mr. Grimm was climbing right up on Lundy's shoulders, showing his teeth. The kelp beasts had finally found out who was hurting them. Also, now Lundy was the only food in sight. They were ganging up for a rush, wheeling and side-slipping in the spate of black water. Lundy got two more, and then one blaster charge fizzled out, and right after it the other one became dull. Lundy stood alone on his broken tower and watched death sweep in around him, and the sweet elfin voice spoke out of the net. Let me free! Let me free! Lundy set his jaw tight and did the only thing he could think of. He deflated his vac suit and jumped, plunging down into the black depths of the ruined building. The kelp things folded their leaves back like wings of a diving bird and came down after him, using their tails for power. Fitful flares of light came through broken walls and window openings. Lundy went down a long way. He didn't have to bother with stairs. The quakes had knocked most of the floors out. The kelp things followed him. Their long, sinuous bodies were maneuverable as a shark's, and they were fast. And all the time the little voice cried in his mind, asking for freedom. Lundy hit bottom. The walls were fairly solid down here, and it was dark, and the place was choked with rubble. Things got a little confused. Lundy's helmet light was shot, and he wouldn't have used it anyway because it would have guided the hunters. He felt them swirling and darting around him. He ran to no place in particular. The broken stones tripped him. Three times great sinewy bodies brushed him, knocking him spinning, but they couldn't quite find him in the darkness, chiefly because they got in each other's way. Lundy fell through suddenly into a great hall, lying beside whatever room he had been in and a little below it. It was hardly damaged. Golden doors stood open to the water, and there was plenty of light. Plenty of light for Lundy to see some more of the kelp beasts poking hopeful faces in, and plenty of light for them to see Lundy. The elfin voice called, Let me out! Let me out! Lundy didn't have breath enough left to curse. He turned and ran, and the kelp beasts gave a lazy flirt of their tails and caught up with him in the first thirty feet. They almost laughed in his face. The only thing that saved Lundy was that when they opened their leaf wings to take him, they interfered with each other. It slowed them just for a moment, just long enough for Lundy to see the door. A little door of black stone with no carving on it, standing half open on a golden pivot about ten feet away. Lundy made for it. He dodged out from under one huge swooping wing, made a wild leap that almost tore him apart, and grabbed the edge of the door with his hands, doubling up and pulling. A tentacle tip struck his feet. His lead boots hit the floor, and for a moment he thought his legs were broken. But the surge of water the blow made helped to carry him in through the narrow opening. Half a dozen blunt red-brown heads tried to come through after him and were stopped. 
Lundy was down on his hands and knees. He was trying to breathe, but somebody had put a heavy building on his chest. Also, it was getting hard to see anything. He crawled over and put his shoulder against the door and pushed. It wouldn't budge. The building had settled and jammed the pivot for keeps. Even the butting kelp things couldn't jar it. But they kept on trying. Lundy crawled away. After a while, some of the weight went off his chest and he could see better. A shaft of fitful gold light shot in through a crack about ten feet above him. A small crack, not even big enough to let a baby in and out. It was the only opening other than the door. The room was small, too. The stone walls were dead black, without ornament or carving except on the rear wall. There was a square block of jet there, about eight feet long by four wide, hollowed in a peculiar and unpleasantly suggestive fashion. Above it there was a single huge ruby set in the stone, burning red like a foretaste of hellfire. Lundy had seen similar small chambers in old cities still on dry land. They were where men had gone to die for crimes against society and the gods. Lundy looked at the hungry monsters pushing at the immovable door and laughed. There was no particular humor in it. He fired his last shot and sat down. The brutes might go away sometime, maybe, but unless they went within a very few minutes it wasn't going to matter. Lundy's oxygen was getting low and it was still a long way to the coast. The voice from the net cried out, Let me free! The hell with you, said Lundy. He was tired. He was so tired he didn't care whether he lived or died. He made sure the net was fast to his belt and tightly closed. If I live, you go back to Bahia with me. If I die, well, you won't be able to hurt anybody again. There'll be one less devil loose on Venus. Free, free. Free! I must be free! This heavy weight! Sure, free to lead guys like Farrell into going crazy and leaving their wives and kids. Free to kill. He looked with sultry eyes at the net. Jackie Smith was my pal. You think I'd let you go? You think anything you could do would make me let you go? Then he saw her right through the net as though the metal mesh was cellophane. She crouched there in his lap, a tiny thing less than two feet high, doubled over her knees. The curve of her back was something an angel had carved out of a wisp of warm pink pearl cloud. End of Part 4